Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Timothy chapter 4 verses 6 to 8. I just want to read a few verses. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 6 to 8. These are the words of the Apostle Paul who's writing to Timothy and he says, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering and the time has come for my departure. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for His appearing. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all of those who are longing for His glorious and wonderful appearing. And so, Father, we come before you this morning in Jesus' name. I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the church. I thank you for for what this represents, what we do here week in and week out, Lord God. We thank you that your spirit is here today. I know that you want to speak a word into each and every one of our hearts today. Let there be freedom for me to share, for us to listen, Lord God. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Let there be confidence to preach the word of the Lord today, I pray. Bind every distraction. In Jesus' name, let your purposes be accomplished. We are hungry to hear a word from you today. This is our prayer and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to speak uh, this morning on the subject, the normal Christian life, the normal Christian life. Now, some of you may recognize the title of the message comes uh, from a book called uh, The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee. I've just stolen the title, okay? It's an amazing book to read. I thoroughly recommend it, but all I've done is stolen the title. One of the concerns I have uh, as a leader is that our modern day concept of Christianity is a little bit distorted. Uh, That what we think the normal Christian life or the way the Christian uh, should live, uh, the experience of a Christian uh, is not in keeping necessarily with what the Bible teaches us or what we understand from Scripture. My concern is that we've created a Christianity that says if you come to Jesus, He will make you healthy, wealthy uh, and wise. You'll never have any problems. Everything is going to go well with you. Life is going to be easy. Now, I don't know about you, but that's certainly not always been my experience. And while I believe some of that's true, uh, while I do believe some of those elements will happen to us as Christians, um, it's not always going to be like that. And what can happen when our expectations are not met is we can become disillusioned, disappointed. Uh, We can start to doubt God, doubt ourselves. We start to look at other people and we think, oh, well, they're doing really well. Well, they're living the Christian life, but there's something wrong with me because I seem to be going from one struggle to the next. And we start to think that, well, well, maybe there's an issue in my life which is preventing me from being the kind of Christian that I should be. You know, as we look at the Scriptures, what we find is, is, uh, is a different story than, than what we believe at times. 
We look at scriptures like, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's a powerful scripture. Jeremiah 29, 11. It's worth memorizing that scripture. What does the scripture say? It tells us that God has a plan for our life. That we are not an accident. That God is in control. And His plans are good. His plans are perfect. His plans are wonderful. If we would seek after the plans of God, can I hear an amen somewhere in the congregation? What we don't see is that it was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah 29, 11. Will you study the story of Jeremiah and you will find that Jeremiah the prophet was mistreated, ignored, humiliated. Uh, he, he was the one who wrote the book of Lamentations. The reason why it's called Lamentation, he was lamenting. You read, the, you read the book of Lamentations and you'll get a taste for what he was experiencing in, in his life. At one particular time, he was so low. He was so down. He said, he said, God, I wish I was never born. Jeremiah the prophet. And all of that for being obedient and following the call of God in his life. We look at the fact that God promised the people of Israel that they would enter into the promised land. Uh, you're going to enter into the promise. Moses is going to lead you in. Uh, actually, it was Joshua that ended up doing, but I'm going to lead you into the promised land. I'm going to take you out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of everything that Egypt represents. I'm going to bring you into a land flow, flow, flowing with milk and honey and yo-yo biscuits. <laughs> what, what we don't see is that they had to fight one giant after another to take possession of that land. They didn't just walk in throwing a party. They had to actually fight one enemy after another to take possession of that land. We see the moments in Jesus' life where he did incredible miracles, raised the dead, healed the sick. We think, well, Jesus' life was perfect. What we don't consider is that he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man is suffering and familiar with pain. At the end of his life, what did they do? They crucified him for doing the will of God. And we could go on and talk about all the men and the women that were used by God, the incredible things they did for God. But as you look at their stories, you will also see another side of that story. It's like a two-sided coin. They also went through many challenges. They also had to overcome many obstacles. They also had to go through certain difficulties in their lives. Question is, well, what does the normal Christian life look like then? Well, what does it look like then? If our preconceived ideas about what the normal Christian life looks like is wrong, well, then what does it look like? What should, what should we expect? Well, we get some insight as to what it looks like in the life of the Apostle Paul. In the text we read, Paul is nearing the end of his life. As he reflects on his life, he describes what is some elements that were consistent with his life. Notice what he says, I've, for I've already been poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. In other words, I'm about to die. And then he says, as he reflects on his life, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Here in this verse, I believe, is three things that constitute the normal Christian life. There's a whole bunch of things we should expect. Here's, here's three that we should, we should at least consider to be part of our life as we follow Jesus Christ. Three elements that if we're living the normal Christian life, we can experience. Well, let's go through those three quickly and then we're going to break bread together. The first of the elements is that we will experience battles. Now, I know you're going to say, I'm glad I came to church this morning, you know. I was feeling like I had a tough week and I was open for a word that would encourage me. Where he, where, here's the first word of encouragement. There will be battles, all right. Um, as Paul reflects on his life, he says, I have fought the good fight. 
As far as I know, the Apostle Paul was a great example of what a Christian should look like. I mean, if we've got some examples that that we could look up to, the Apostle Paul was one. Well, Jesus was God, so maybe we could say, you know what, he was God, he was perfect. He might not be the, well, he's the greatest example, but but maybe the Apostle Paul, he was human like me and like, 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 like the rest of us, and maybe he should be someone we should look up to. He says as he's reflecting on his life, I have fought the good fight. One of the elements that we will experience in our life is battles. We shouldn't be surprised at the battles we face in life. Peter says this, dear friends, do not be surprised at this fiery ordeal. Don't be shocked by this fiery ordeal that you're going through. This has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is, the, is revealed. Listen, 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 let me help you here. As Christians, we will face battles. And there are two particular battles that we get, we're involved in. One is with the flesh. I mean, the, the greatest war zone in our life is, is, is really in our minds. Can I hear an amen? Some of the greatest battles that we face are not necessarily with people or circumstances or, or the boss or our spouse. Some of the greatest battles that we face are actually in our minds and in our hearts. We battle two things in particular. One is the flesh. We will forever be fighting with a human nature that wants to be the center of attention. We we will always be facing a human nature that's inside. I know some of you are looking really holy this morning. I know some of you have got that halo looking just nice. You've shined it up just before you came into church and you're looking very spiritual this morning. But deep down inside of us, all of us want to be the center of attention. We want to have our own way. We want to be selfish. We 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 are narcissistic, egocentric. Can I hear an amen? There was no amen there at all. I know it's a church down the road. We're a little bit better. But, but uh, that deep down inside of us, there is a sin nature. And, and the Bible says that there's a war going on with that sin nature. Because forever we, we are faced with two paths, either, either do what Jesus did or do the opposite. And, and so often there's this struggle because everything inside of us wants to go in the opposite direction. And we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, no, walk this particular way. Listen to what Paul says in Romans. He says, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within me. He's saying, that I, I, I want to do God's will, but there's, but there's this other thing going on. And it feels like there's a battle, there's a war going on. Paul describes it as warfare. Now, thankfully, Paul says, and who will deliver me from this body of death? I mean, if it just stopped there, it would be a difficult sermon. It would be a depressing sermon. But but Paul doesn't stop there. If you read Romans chapter 7, he continues to say, and he says, and who shall deliver me from this body of death? He says, the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. In other words, yes, we are in a battle. Yes, we are facing a battle, but we're not facing that battle by ourselves. We have Jesus Christ on our side, and he's the one who helps us face the battle. In other words, as we struggle with the flesh and our sin nature and temptation, what is going to help us win that battle is our relationship with Jesus Christ. The The point I'm trying to make here is we will have struggles and we will have battles. Don't be shocked or surprised by by the battles that we face in our lives because we will have them. Second enemy, of course, is the devil. Uh, The Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he will do everything he can to derail the call of God on our life and rob our future and kill our hope. We're involved in a battle. 
We're involved in a battle. To the Thessalonians, Paul said, for we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did, again and again, but Satan blocked our way. How clear is that? I want you to know that Satan is going to try and block your way. The moment that you say, Lord, I want to serve you. I want to get closer to you. I want to know you in a greater. The moment you start to make inroads towards becoming more and more like Jesus and the person that God has called you to be, Satan is going to try and block your way. Let that not surprise you. We're involved in a spiritual battle and therefore should not be surprised by challenges. Paul said to the Ephesians, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Come on, you know the scripture, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. There it is right there. Our struggle, I've I've circled that in, in, in my notes. I put a circle around the word struggle. It means we will have struggles. And our struggle is not against people, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, on the basis of the knowledge that we will have struggles, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to take a stand, to stand against it, and after you've done everything, to stand. Notice Paul says when and not if. We, we will experience Uh, struggles, the enemy will come against us and and try to derail the call of God upon our lives. Why Why would Paul speak about the armor of God if we would never be involved in warfare? Why would Paul say, put on the full armor of God if we would never need it or need to use it? He tells us to put it on because there's going to be times in our life where we're going to face some battles. Those battles are not going to be carnal, in, in, as in they're not going to be against people. Those battles are going to be in the spiritual realm. And we need to know how to fight those battles. We need to know how to fight those battles. This week, uh, um, you know, we've, been, we've had the new facade for two years. It's been up two and a half years. This week, some, some dude graffitied the whole front of the, 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 the glass. And, it, and, you know, you can say, oh, that's just these young people with graffiti artists. No, I, I, we don't think so at all. We feel this was a spiritual attack on the church. You read it, you'll see. These guys, they, they put, I don't know, rosemary on the... Why would you put rosemary? I mean, <laughs> it's a spiritual attack. Yeah. Pastor Joe, this is just airy-fairy. You're just fantasy land talking about... Wolf. Here's, just this week in our church, this happened. To remind us we're involved in a spiritual battle. To remind us that this is not just a, this is not just a little thing, that, a little club. It's called Life, Life Christian Center Club. It's not just something that we do on Sunday morning. We're involved in a spiritual battle. And when we start taking territory from the enemy, he's not going to be happy. Why don't we just pray for the church? Come on, let's pray for this particular individual this morning. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And Father, we recognize what happened here in this church this week. And Father, as, as, as a congregation, collectively, we take a stand over every attack of the enemy in the name of Jesus. We thank you that through Jesus Christ, we have victory over every work of the enemy in the name of Jesus. And we pray for this individual that carried this out. I pray, let the Spirit of God come upon him. Save him body, soul, and spirit, I pray in the name of Jesus, that he will serve your purposes and not the purposes of the enemy. In Jesus' name. I pray, we, I, I spoke in February and I said, we need to pray. Oh, bless us, enlarge our truth, let your hand be upon us and protect us from harm. I hope you're praying that prayer. 
Here's the thought. In this life, we will have challenges. And we will at times face battles. Battles within, battles from without. It's what the normal Christian life looks like. And my concern is that we have this kind of weak, anorexic, decaffeinated Christianity. Where we have this, the rhetoric, we have the songs, we have the speech. But we don't have the strength to overcome battles. Now, it's really important to understand because, because uh, uh, I don't want to leave you hanging here. Um, um, we are involved in a battle, but we don't fight in our own strength. So, so in other words, I want you to understand, hey, if, if you're experiencing battles, don't be surprised by those battles that you're facing as if something strange is happening to you. The normal Christian look, life looks like the fact that we will fight some battles. Now, if that's where you stop, you're in trouble. But it doesn't stop there. But the the reality is the Bible continues and says that we are on the winning side and he's fighting for us. Jesus said, in this this world, you will have trouble. But but, but don't, don't be discouraged. I have overcome the world. We have the Lord that's fighting for us and fighting with us. Bible says, no weapon formed against you shall prevail and you shall refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Paul gives them the, the, the whole armor because, so that they could come against the enemy, so they could resist every work of the enemy. The song that we sing here regularly, it says, you know, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Amen. Can I hear an Amen. So, so don't, be, don't be surprised by the battles that we face, but be strengthened knowing that God is on your side and he can see you through. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have fought the good fight. There are some of you going through some battles right now. For some of you, this week has been, a, been, a, been, a, been a, a, one battle after another. Some of you are fighting some battles in your marriage and in your home. It's a struggle or at work uh, and, and it's a struggle. Don't be surprised by that. The greatest thing that you can do is go into the presence of God and be strengthened with the Lord. Allow the Lord to strengthen you, to give you wisdom as to know how to deal with that situation. Begin to pray through that. Begin to resist the work of the enemy in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, resist the devil and he shall flee from you. So I pray that we would get the victory in the name of Jesus. Second of the elements is that life will involve discipline and hard work. Of all the Sundays I had to come to church, it was this one. Uh, Paul says, I've fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Paul often used the analogy of the Christian life as a race. It's not a race where we're competing with anyone. The race is our race. It's our race. It's a race that's been designed specifically for you and specifically for me. Now, I'm not a sports person. I I was never good at sport. I was one of those kids that was always picked last. You know, line up against the wall. Let's pick two teams. You know, the last kid, you know, the last one. That was me. Everybody go, oh. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Beautiful. Um, over the years, I've, I've understood the importance of exercise and shared that with you many times. Um, every couple of years, I go through the exercise phase. You know how it is. Uh, you'll hear something and say, oh, I've got to do exercise. Uh, and I'm, no, I'm not the only one. A few years ago, I was at the gym struggling. I thought, you know what? I think we should buy a treadmill. I know that if we buy a treadmill, all my problems are going to be solved. Gym's expensive, you've got to get up, go to the gym, you know, and then there's that front door, which is really hard to open. Um, but if the treadmill was at my house, oh, 
Everything is going to be easy. I will use it every single day. You know, I put a, I put a uh, submission to the family, you know, because you've got to get approval for, to the purchase. You know, put in a good case. Yep, sounds good. Any, anybody used that kind of logic before? <laughs> Problem is never the gym or the treadmill for that matter. The issue is discipline, <laughs> commitment, ability to endure pain, hard work, set the clock in the morning, get up earlier. Go and use the thing. That's where the real issue is. It's talking to our feelings and saying, you know, we're getting on that treadmill whether I feel like it or not. Uh, right now, there are athletes all over the world training for the Tokyo Olympics. They train every day, have a strict diet. They're going from one supermarket to the next trying to buy toilet paper. Just, just, you just never know. You just, you've got to be prepared because you don't know what's going to happen in Tokyo. They endure rain, hail, and shine. They got a coach. He comes alongside and says, come on, come on, you're going to do better. They, 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 they pay for a coach to bring the best out of them. They forego all kinds of pleasures just to make sure that they win the prize. In other words, their eyes are fixed on getting gold medal there at the Tokyo Olympics. They got their chance this year and, they, and they're doing everything they possibly can to, to get that gold medal. What Paul is saying as he reflects on his life, he's saying the normal Christian life is like a race. It's not a three-legged race where everybody wins. <laughs> it's not a kindy race. Paul is talking about a marathon. And notice, what, notice these verses. He says, And now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race. And complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to, to the good news of God's grace. Paul said to the Corinthians, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They, get, they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Here's the issue with modern day Christianity. We want, we want to get the gold medal. We, we want to stand on the, on the platform, on the one that says number one, but we don't want to do the work to get there. We want to sleep in. We'll sleep with whoever we want. We want to do whatever we want on the weekend. We want to pick and choose what we do out of the Bible. Oh, this looks really good. I think I'll do number 17. I'll do, we're going to skip chapter 18. We're going to move straight to chapter 19. We want to be used by God, but we don't want to do the work associated. We want the benefits of the promise, but not the condition of the promise. That's not what the, Christian, the normal Christian life looks like. The point I'm trying to make is this. If we're going to be everything God wants us to be, if we're going to serve the purposes of God in our generation, it's going to take some effort. It's going to take discipline. It's going to mean we say to, we, we, we say to some things, you know what, I'm not doing that. You know, you imagine the runner, the, the, the runner that's, that's training for the Olympics and someone says, would you like a chocolate donut? And do you think they're going to say, yeah, I would love a chocolate donut? They're in strict training. They say, you know what, I'm going to forgo that because I want the gold medal. It's going to mean we set the clock and get up a little bit on time, from time to time means doing something not because we feel like it, but because it's the right thing to do. 
If we do something, not because we feel like doing it, but because the Bible says it's the right thing we should do. Because this is the manual for life. In other words, God is saying here, this is not God. Let me, let me put these things in, in the Bible to make your life miserable. His goal is not to make our life miserable. His goal is so that we can be productive. He wants us to stand at that number one position. He wants, he has a race marked out for us. Listen, you're not going to feel any better in life until you're running the race that God has marked out for you. You're going to experience incredible joy, incredible joy. You're going to experience the, 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 the greatest emotions you will experience in life is running the race that God has marked out for you. And it's going to give you the capacity to endure all kinds of hardship because you know where you're aiming for. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. I've run the race. Third element is that there will be perplexities. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I finished the race and I've kept the faith. This is the third aspect of the normal Christian life. There will be perplexities. When we think about Christianity, we think we understand everything about God. We understand everything about life. We have an answer to everything. Every trial has a purpose. Nothing happens by accident. We feel like we have God all worked out. I don't know about you, there's been different stages in my life where I thought I had God all worked out. He was in this little box and, you know, I could answer every question about God. I could answer everything about God. And so and many times we get, we get to a point like that where we, we feel like we've worked God out. Then out of the blue, along comes a situation Things happen to us, circumstances that don't make sense. And suddenly all of our preconceived ideas about God are brought into question. If we don't handle those situations, well, they can weaken our faith. Paul says at the end of his life, I love this, I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. And if there's someone who had reason to abandon his faith, it was the apostle Paul. Listen to Paul's application for an apostle. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. you know these scriptures. I've worked much harder than been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times, I would, I would have gone after the first one. I would have said, thank you very much, I'm out of here. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move, been in danger from rivers, in danger of bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city. And then he talks about not only all of that, that's all the exterior. And then he says, you know, I've got anxieties and, and challenges and stuff that was going on, temptations that he was experiencing. He was a human being. Second Corinthians, he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay, that this all surpassing power is from God, not from us. We are hard pressed on every side. Perplexed, persecuted, struck down, but not destroyed. Paul's referring here to the types of circumstances we all face in life. Being hard pressed, being squeezed and pressured in, just can't take anymore. We feel like we're at the end of our rope. Any, anybody being, being hard pressed? And if we, we, we don't understand what that's about, it can derail the faith in our lives. Because we wonder, we say, well, wait a minute, when I signed up for Christianity, did, I, I, I know I didn't read the fine print because no one reads the fine print. But, but, you know, I didn't think that this would be in the fine print. Being hard pressed, just can't take it anymore. Perplexities, things we don't understand. 
you know, not, not sure which way to go. Persecution. It's what Paul's life looked like. And in life, all of us will experience perplexities. Where I thought God would work a certain way, but, but, but he ended up working a completely different way. Where I expected God to intervene, and he didn't intervene. How do we handle those situations? Paul says, I have kept the faith. Because those perplexities are going are gonna, to, are gonna, if we don't deal with them in the right way, they have the potential to derail the faith in our hearts and lives. Peter says that these trials, these difficulties, these perplexities have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor. When Jesus Christ is revealed. What, what does the normal Christian life look like? It looks like the reality that at times we will face situations and challenges and perplexities. We will experience things that don't make sense. And those situations will test the validity and the integrity of our faith. I love what the Bible says about Abraham. It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Without weakening in his faith, since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. The Abraham had got to a position in his life where he has said, I may not understand God, but I'm not going to give up on God. I may not understand everything that God is doing, but I'm going to put my faith in God because he's going to see me through. Faith is not the absence of doubt. It's choosing to trust God despite our doubts. It's choosing to put our faith in a God that loves us, cares about our well-being, that has proven himself. It's not just putting our faith in some pie in the sky or some kind of theory or philosophy or, or whatever else it is. It's putting our faith in a God that has proven himself again and again and again. And although I may not understand everything there is to understand about God, I choose to trust God. I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. I love the phrase, Abraham believed God. I've spoken about that before. It's been circumstances in my life where, which have happened which made absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. Asaph, chapter, Asaph, Psalm 73. I know that God is good, but as I looked around me, everything I saw was that God was not good. Habakkuk chapter 1. Why, oh God, are you doing like this? And why are you not interfering? How long, God, before you intervene in my situation? All these situations have the capacity to derail our faith. And the greatest thing that we can do by His grace and for His glory is to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you despite what's happening around me. I love that phrase. It says, and Abraham believed God. In other words, he made a choice. He thought about it. Okay, what I'm going through right now makes absolutely no sense to my human mind. But then he says, you know, on the other hand, he says, but I know who God is. I know his character. I know his nature. I know that he's a good God. He is God and I am not. And you know what I'm going to do? I've got two choices. I can either abandon my faith in God or I can just say, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you because you know much more than I do and I know that you're going to see me through. Abraham made a decision. He decided to put his faith in God and Abraham believed God. So often we think the normal Christian life will be problem-free. 
that we will go from glory to glory, skipping through life. The reality is we will go through situations at times that will make no sense to us at all. Situations that will test the integrity of our faith. The greatest thing that we can do in that time is, uh, is go into the presence of God. You, we've heard this before many times. I've spoken about this. greatest thing that we can, do with that, we, can, we can do with our questions is not keep them inside of us. It's not hide them. It's not be afraid to bring them to God. He's, God is not threatened by our questions. The greatest thing that we can do with them is bring them into the presence of God. That's what the psalmist David did. That's what Asaph did. That's what, that's what Habakkuk did. He brought it into the presence of God. He began to bring his questions to God. And it was in the presence of God that they began to find answers to those deepest questions normal christian life so often we have these preconceived ideas about what the normal christian life looks like paul is at the end of his life he gives us some insight into it into what the normal christian life looks like he says i fought the good fight there will be battles but be encouraged we're on the winning side we will fight battles but 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 by the grace of god we'll be able to win those battles in the name of jesus there will be discipline and hard work. I've, I've finished the race. But be, be, in, be encouraged. God, God, is, God is going to give us the grace to get, to get to the other side. Being confident of this one thing. That he who started a good work in you shall carry it through to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Whoever, the, the work that God started in you, he's going to bring to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. There will be perplexities in our life. There will be things that we don't understand or make, they don't make any sense to our human mind. We've got a choice to, to make. We, we, we either trust God or we turn our back on God. And I, I, I can assure you, uh, I don't know what option B looks like. Option B looks like good luck and bad luck. It's another philosophy of life. I'm not sure that's going to help you in any way. I prefer to believe that the God in heaven who sees and understands all things. I may not understand everything, but I made a decision a long, long time ago that I was going to put my faith in God. I was going to trust Him with my life. It's what baptism is all about. When we get baptized, we say, Lord, I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. It's a public declaration of our faith that, you know, whatever happens in my life, I'm going to serve you, follow you all the days of my life. And if we endure, as Paul says, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who longed for his appearing. Question, what's, what's going to get us through the challenges? If we're to get to the finish line, we need to do what the author of Hebrews says. As for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we, we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has been already marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand
So we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So we, how, how, do, we, how do we manage all of the, the struggles and the battles and the challenges that we all face? How do, how do we make sure we get to the other side and, don't, and not drowned by those situations? So we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who helps us through whatever situation we're going through and gets us to the other side by His grace and for His glory. Communion reminds us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Some of you may be here this morning, you're going through a battle. Maybe you're struggling with something that's kind of holding you back from being everything that God has called you to be. Maybe you've been through some situations which are just don't make any sense whatsoever to your mind. You believe that there's, God is good, but what you're going through is just challenging. Can I, can I challenge you this morning as we break bread together to fix your eyes on Jesus, to come to Jesus, that whatever you might be going through, why don't you pour out your heart to God? Allow Him to speak into your life. We're going to sing a song. The brethren are going to distribute the emblems as we sing. Father, you know everything about us. We surrender and submit ourselves to you. We thank you for the Word of God, the power of, the God, of, the, of your Word. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We thank you for the power of your name that enables us to do things we could never do on our own. I just pray sweep across this congregation right now. I just pray speak to each and every one of us as individuals today. I pray let, let, let the Word of God penetrate our hearts, Lord God, I pray. Let something shift in our spirit, Lord God. Let strength begin to come. Let there be a revelation, Father God, of You. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Where else can we go but to You, O Lord? For You have the answers to life. And Father, we commit Susanna to You right now. And others that need a touch from You, others that need healing, Father, just reach out by the Spirit of God, I pray. And I thank You for what You're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen.